right, welcome everyone to Take Human Action PA episode 27. Um, Calvin, and we got uh, Jacob here as well. How you doing, Jacob? Ah, hold on. I uh, okay. okay. I uh, lost. The, I was trying to minimize the screen and move it, and then it disappeared on me, and I didn't know if I was muted or not. I'm fantastic, man. I'm uh, glad to be here and uh, excited for our uh, our guest tonight, who yeah. I'm doing a double feature with. He's going to be on this show, and then if you're watching this and you can't get enough, just you know, come on to like hour two uh, <laughs> after after this one's done. <laughs> oh, the after party. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for someone I've known for, uh, feels like two years now. I don't know if it's quite that long yet, but, uh, it, yeah, this, this appearance has definitely been, uh, overdue, but, uh, let me make a few quick announcements first at the top of the show. So our call to human action is still running. Uh, if you're in our group already, if you're signed up and, onboarded and everything uh you should have gotten an email about it uh if you did not for whatever reason reach out to me and if you haven't joined yet and you would like to join the caucus then please join at uh takehumanaction.com and sign up to get on our email list and uh find out what all the caucus is all about uh, we still got the state convention coming up too uh march 3rd through 5th in reading pa uh, still waiting on the website to launch, uh, but we'll give updates on that. Uh, when I don't know what to do with myself. I don't have to drive five hours to get to convention. <laughs> to see. I can, yeah, I, literally, uh, I could I almost can... get away with not getting a room, but I think I still will. Yeah, you know, same. All right. Uh, so you have anything on your end? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, got, I already, already plugged my early announcement, which is if you uh, are watching this after first hour they'll um we can maybe post the link in the chat or something near the end for the uh, sure, for the for second sure. stream um but yeah no i'm ready to go all right well without further ado then uh we will bring on our guest so uh he is the board rep out of the philadelphia county libertarian party uh he is the founder of don't tread on philly uh and he has a lot to yeah. say on the transitioner issue, being a detransitioner himself. Uh, so uh, let's bring on Torin Donowski. How are you doing, Torin? Hey, what's up, guys? It's good to be on here. With you. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I had to bring the pipe. I, I figured uh, with tonight's topic, I needed to just be as like manly as possible. So. <laughs> you know, I was I was gonna say that, but I was debating whether or not to say. It. <laughs> so you took the words out of my mouth. The pipe's no, the only I, way to do it. I mean, I don't real, I don't, I don't own my own pipe, but and I, I've never liked uh, tobacco except when I've tried it uh, through a pipe. I don't have the, um, the time or the patience for it. Is my problem, and also yeah. it's just any form other than a cigarette. I think I've tried it by now, except for a pipe. That's the one thing. Hookah's yeah. also fun. Hookah, that, yeah, even, hookah's way, what I think. It's, it's even more work than a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I actually tried cigars, but that that's an art form. You need to really know how to do it, which I do not. <laughs> sometimes it's an art form, or sometimes when you're going to like dumb college frat parties, they just have like those giant like ten person hookahs. Everyone's <laughs> sharing the mouthpiece on, which is really gross. Now that I I, I think back on uh, some of the parties I attended, <laughs> <laughs> I probably, yeah. probably made out with more dudes than I care to admit. And in indirect contact with, with a hookah. Well, were they hookah, were they hookahs or bongs at that point? <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, uh, we should get started here. So, uh, where I I actually don't know where the best place is to get started with you. Like around the time I met you, is around the time that you joined with the Libertarian Party of Philadelphia. But this is his first why don't you tell us show, uh, right? your uh, story as far as how you became a libertarian and, and uh, what brought you there? Yeah. So I think I joined the party. Um, I want to say July or August of 2021. Um, I had been politically homeless for a long time. I think I, I had grown up a very conservative Christian, very kind of fundamental, um, you know, kind of religious right, uh, just kind of diehard GOP guy, regretfully voted for John McCain in 2008. Um, but I didn't know any better. I was stupid. I think I was, uh, I was 19 at the time. I was, I was really dumb. Um, but but uh, let's see, I, uh, gosh, yeah, I, I kind of stopped being very politically active or, or outspoken in college. And then I ended up being a Southern Baptist missionary, of all things. I was never actually Southern Baptist, but somehow ended up a Southern Baptist missionary. I spent some time in Southeast Asia, and I was there for the 2012 election. So I wasn't actually, I wasn't there around for, uh, I was kind of too dumb for Ron Paul's 2008 run. I wasn't around for his 2012 run. And I was just looking at politics from kind of the other side of the globe and just realizing, um, you know, just how much broader the world was than the views that I had growing up as a, as a conservative Christian. I think I still had a lot of my conservative social values, but but held them much more loosely uh, and definitely still had very sort of conservative uh, or at least what we would consider traditionally conservative um, free market economic principles, uh, which, you know, over the last uh, 10 years, you know, since my kind of a, a initial um, sort of falling out and, and de, uh, uh, when the GOP became de glamorized to me I, i've learned the gop is not about conservative free market principles either um they're just about you know printing money and keeping the war machine going uh so I, I was just very i was very kind of politically homeless for a long time wasn't very outspoken for a while during the uh the trump run in 2016 i actually i voted for gary johnson um because i didn't want to vote for either candidate didn't really know who the libertarian party was but it sounded cool and and johnson at least had a semi-coherent message to someone who just doesn't know libertarianism at all at the time and so i was just kind of homeless there was still politically homeless up until uh up until the lockdowns uh the lockdowns kind of went uh sent me sort of on a, a little bit of a spiral of anger um i was dealing with a lot personally at the time and was realizing my need for community and my need for people and realizing that I'm someone who, who just needs to get out and, and be around people in order to be energized, to be fully myself. And I happened to live a, at home alone at the time. And the government was suddenly telling me that I had to be at home alone 24 seven. And uh, obviously Trump wasn't, uh, it, gosh, he was terrible with the lockdowns. I mean, in fact, he was a fan of them early on and he put Fauci up into the, the positions that he did, gave him the authority that he did. Uh, the Democrats were horrible. Philly was horrible. Everything was just horrible. And yeah, I just, I, it, it was, it was terrible. And I didn't, we didn't really know where to look in 2020. Uh, certainly LP national wasn't really messaging on COVID lockdowns. 
at all. So didn't have much hope for the Libertarian Party at that time. Well, Torin, remember, it just went without saying, right? Yeah. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was just the norm for so long. It's crazy to think about how it's changed now. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, if you were seeing this bad messaging from National coming out at the time, at least, uh, then what what motivated you to come out for the first meeting? Yeah, so I, I kind of started going down a rabbit hole. Um, once the uh, the George Floyd riots started happening here in Philly and things were just kind of nuts and you could see the hypocrisy from the left of like, oh, well, we can't be around anybody, but if we're protesting, we can be around millions of people and swap spit all day long. Um, I started kind of going down rabbit holes. I, I, I found uh, I found, found Brett Weinstein and his Unity 2020 um, idea and thought, well, <laughs> this is better than what we have now. So let's follow this and listen to this guy. And then from Weinstein, I think I fell into like Benjamin Boyce and listening to his stuff about what happened to Weinstein at Evergreen College, which I had remembered from 2017. And then uh, suddenly YouTube uh, suggested a Tim Pool video. It's like, oh, liberal not going to vote for Biden might vote for Trump. I'm like, hmm, let me take a look at this. So I watched one of uh, Tim Pool's live streams, and this is probably August of 2020. And I was like, okay, Tim sounds like an interesting guy. I'm going to keep watching some of his live streams. And I think his very next live stream was uh, Michael Malice. And uh, Malice was the first uh, anarchist I'd ever listened to. And I was like, this guy just, this guy's interesting. I don't know if I can get behind anarchy, but um malice seems kind of cool and he is spot on with everything he's saying and then from there i think uh the very next episode i watched after that was maj uh maj torre of black guns matter right out of here in philadelphia and i'm like oh this yeah, guy right off the gate awesome <laughs> yeah so then i started listening to, to malice and malice converted me to at least thinking anarchy might be an answer pretty darn quickly just about everything Malice was saying, I thought that was spot on. And sure enough, you start listening to Malice long enough, you get uh, acquainted with Dave Smith and Tom Woods. So started listening to Dave Smith, Tom Woods. And by the time, what was it, May 2021, um, you know, they're talking about all the shenanigans that were going on in the LP. Dave Smith uh, was talking about it all the time. And uh, the one of the episodes that he did, he did with Karen Ann Harlos, that um, where he was talking about all the nonsense that went on in New Hampshire and was getting ready to go on in like Delaware and everywhere else. I was like, oh, wow. And this and this actually somewhat happened in PA too. Was it as illegal and backhanded as, uh, you know, New Hampshire? No, it was completely by the books and they got away with it here in PA. Uh, the process was a little unkosher in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. The rest of it though, I guess was by the books technically I, I still i mean like i hate to like be the person that like beats like the dead horse of that history of that convention but like when a person who vehemently hates the caucus and who's running for a officer position is in charge of the credentialing table and then doesn't credential like over like a couple dozen different people i'm just yep. saying yeah no i, I agree with that. I, I think there's something to that but we, we don't we don't need to worry about it now <laughs> So, yeah, um, they were talking about everything that had gone down in PA and how, like, if they just had more people, it could have made a difference. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to join the LP. 
my vision of the LP is all the losers from back in college who said they were libertarians. I don't want anything to do with this. But these Mises Caucus people seem pretty cool. Uh, let me let me see if I can help. So, uh, yeah, I signed up. I think I got. I think I talked to Mark Jerchak. I was I was right down here. I was in my basement um, because I was building this bar uh, that I have here in my basement that summer. I was, was talking to Mark, and I was like, okay, this is cool. He got me connected to uh, the Philadelphia Libertarian Party, Liberty on the Rocks, Mises Caucus, all of the above. And uh, yeah, it just uh, that that fall, it just kind of took out took off from there. All right, so uh, we, we don't have to dwell on this for too long, but uh, for those who might be in the Philadelphia area, uh, you, what is Liberty on the Rocks? And uh, you know, if someone would want to go to one of those, then uh, how would they do that? Yeah, uh, Liberty on the Rocks is just a uh, a buy uh, twice monthly um, meeting. It's like a happy hour on Tuesdays. We have them at uh, six o'clock on the second and fourth Tuesdays. The second second Tuesday is at Ryan's Pub in Maniunk, and then the fourth Tuesday is at Adobe Cafe in South Philly. And basically, yeah, it's just a Liberty hangout. It's not uh, party affiliated. We try to avoid party business, but we just talk Liberty and we talk uh, philosophy and current events and all that good stuff. It's a good time to just hang out with other people who are just kind of fed up with what's going on in the world today and want to see more Liberty. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, in it's interesting for me He's going back to 2015 or so that's when I started going to Liberty on the Rocks. And then the next year, a group of us who had connected through Liberty on the Rocks ended up starting LP Philly. So that that's what that's the group that it all came from, too. So it has a it has a special place for me, for sure. I was going there for a long time. I would definitely check it out if you're in the Philly area and they have it in many other cities around the country, too. So if you're in uh, a major city, chances are you're Liberty on the Rocks. So if you search for it online you can find their website and see where there's uh what cities they have meetups in yeah highly recommended it's it's always a good time always different guests always different people hanging out it's uh it's a good time yeah so now back to you uh you jumped in head first on everything really as far as <laughs> the uh, politics side of it went like um i mean uh we can come back after this to like what happened in your on the personal side of things but on the political side of things like uh from the time that you came to your first meeting like how did you what kind of things did you do to get more involved with the party and uh what motivated you to do it yeah so part of my thing again i was just I was fed up with covid stuff i was kind of sick of it i was sick of uh being at home alone uh having it be uh, quasi illegal for me to hang out with anybody um outside of my dogs. So I was kind of fed up with that. I was building this bar in my basement. I'm like, hey, you know, if lockdowns happen again or vax mandates or whatever. Um, hey, I've I've got uh, um, I've got this bar to hang out with hang out in. So I remember uh, I was probably the annoying guy in some of the Mises caucus chats saying, hey, check out my bar. Come hang out, come hang out, come hang out. And uh, I think I only ever had like one event with some people over here in my bar. Uh, but it, it, I guess it got me on the radar pretty quick to as being somebody who wanted to be involved and wanted to take action because, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to build some sort of liberty culture. You know, liberty was sort of um, 
you know, it wasn't necessarily born, but it was, it was definitely fostered here in the bars of Philly. It was, it was fostered in the speakeasies of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, some of the founding fathers would get, you know, hang out in, you know, the back rooms and the speakeasies, plotting what was going on, uh, risking their lives, knowing that if they got caught, they were done for. Um, so I wanted to see that cult kind of culture get rebuilt here in Philly. So that was my main goal. And I thought the Mises Caucus really, um, really sort of took, uh, took that same sort of stance. So I had been asked at one point to, you know, kind of get involved, possibly be a county organizer uh, for Philly. And I, I kind of took that and ran with that a little bit, uh, created this uh, Twitter profile uh, for LPMC Philly. And I wanted to say, hey, let's have this like tagline. Let's have something cool that's like uniquely Philly um, that that could represent Philly and people. We could build a culture behind. And at that time, I was kind of obsessed with the Gadsden flag, um, you know, the, the don't tread on me with the snake. And so I said, what if we take this and said, don't tread on Philly? What if we made don't tread on Philly the tagline for the Mises caucus here in Philly? And so I made that my little tagline, made up some graphics, put it on Twitter. And then, uh, I don't know, it was about a week after kind of being involved and starting to, you know, go the messaging route with the LPMC on Twitter that Philadelphia instituted their vaccine mandates. And it might have been a year ago today or right around then that that happened. And immediately I was like, no, this this isn't good. I am going to fight this and, uh, you know, do, um, you know, do whatever I can to to fight against this. So me and... Mark Bazzacco and Joy Weir got together and said, well, let's get together and protest this. And we decided to protest. We we're going to protest on the New Year's Day parade. Um, I think we only got, we ended up getting like 30 or 40 people out, but it wasn't, we, we were going to have a lot more, but it had rained for the parade and they had to reschedule it for a Sunday. So that screwed up a lot of people's plans, but we ended up getting a lot of attention because we had all these signs that said like don't tread on philly or COVID 1984 or all this kind of cool stuff uh that we got to pass out to the participants of the parade and a lot of the participants are these like you know hardcore like south philly you know second third generation immigrant people that just i mean they hate, hate city hall hate the government it was perfect they, they would take the signs dance with them uh get their pictures taken you're in the newspaper uh, and we ended up, uh, we said, what do we want to call it? And we said, don't tread on Philly. Let's call what we're doing. Don't tread on Philly. So don't tread on Philly ended up morphing into this, uh, sort of organization that was, uh, fighting against the COVID tyranny here in Philly. Yeah. And that's about when you started, don't tread on Philly, I think is when I, you know, first heard of, heard of you kind of started interacting with you and I had you on, on my show, uh, and interviewed you about that. Around the same time, you were going through some some personal stuff too, and that's part of what we're here to talk about tonight. Is sort of you know the the things you went through and sort of you know how that shaped your views on different things pertaining to the culture and politics and stuff, both in Philly, but also you know it obviously affects the broader culture and our you know our country and or just Western culture or the world or you know you could you can really scale it up however much you want, but yeah, let's go into, you know, the the things that you were going through and, uh, you know, share as, you know, it's, it's your story. So share as much or as little as you as you as you want to. But just talk about what that was like and, um, you know, from, I guess, like how it started and how um, it correlated with what your involvement in the party was and, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
so it's a good segue. Um, so I think uh, I think Cal I think I met Calvin prior to this, um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Did. I, I I knew Torin and then uh, yeah, knew you and then Torin again. So that <laughs> that was interesting seeing it from from all sides. Um, that's that's for sure. But but yeah, with that with that context in mind, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So. Uh, Calvin had met me beforehand. I don't think I don't think Jacob had. I think uh, I think, I Jacob think we were it. we were probably just Facebook friends before. Yeah, and then I think so. But then I yeah I, I remembered when you first started talking about it on your profile, and then the change happened, and then I started commenting on some of your posts, just like in yeah. sort of like good faith, like you know, kind of trying to understand where you were coming from, and just just trying to show you love, and 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 uh, you know, didn't want you to feel like judged or hated or, or or anything like that so uh but yeah we're, we're beating around the bush <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i wasn't i wasn't uh, i wasn't really trying to i was just trying to set the story mm-hmm. um yeah so i think jacob and really uh most of the mises caucus uh met me not as Torin but as audrey um i had come out as publicly as trans back in october of 2021 um I had just made a coming out post, changed my name on Facebook, uh, and just kind of said, hey, this uh, this is just something I had dealt with all my life. Uh, I had dealt with uh, gender dysphoria for as, for as long as I could remember. Um, it was from a very young age where I just struggled with this, uh, yeah, just, just this desire to be um, really the complete opposite of who I was. Uh, I, I wanted to be, in many ways, just the opposite of me. Um, I wanted, wanted to live my life as a woman. Um, and this is, this is something, yeah, I, I dealt with it from a young age. I didn't have anything, you know, nothing specific that had brought it on. Uh, I've done a lot of work and a lot of, uh, a lot of thought, a lot of therapy to, to kind of dig out exactly how everything has fit together over time. And I, I think if we had like, if we had, you know, 48 hours straight of podcasting, I could probably tell you everything about it. Um, but we don't, and I don't want to get into that, but basically, you know, I, I dealt with it for a long time. Um, it, it, it had really flared itself up when I was in college at, at one point. Uh, it, it really went away when I was in, uh, Southeast Asia doing my mission work, but then I went through some, uh, as I said, I was a, a Southern Baptist missionary, but I was not Southern Baptist and they didn't even know about the struggles that I had. And just because I was not Southern Baptist, it caused problems, um, I was spiritually and emotionally abused over there. It's not cool. Um, I, I'm good now. I've I've overcome a lot of that stuff now. But even that, like just the aftermath of that 10 years ago, kind of just sent me into this identity crisis. Like I, I thought I had solved it. I was like, okay, I have these desires. They are what they are. I, I love being Torin. I love being me. I love being the man that I'm growing up to be, you know, when I was like 23, 24 but then sort of the abuse that happened there just, uh, you know, it really cut, cut at my identity and cut at everything that I thought I had figured out in life. And I came back from Southeast Asia, had, had, gotten, had gotten married, married to the woman, really the woman of my dreams, um, a, a woman that I, I still love to death. Um, I, I would do anything for her. Uh, but that didn't solve my identity crisis that was brewing. 
and it didn't take long for the gender stuff to kind of pop back up and for me to really struggle and this is back in like 2013 through like 2016 and all this gender stuff was just becoming mainstream like i knew about it because i had struggled with it had found it in you know had found it on you know talk shows when i was a kid had found it in the guinness book of world records when i was uh 13 you know then start playing around on the internet and you find stuff on the internet when you're a kid and um so i knew all about it and it was sort of this fantasy that i had thought had um you know gone away but really it was just dormant and then once you started getting into you know 2013 through 2016 when you had like uh laverne cox showing up on oranges and the new black you had uh kristen beck the, the the warrior trans woman the navy seal um, who actually just came out as having detrans a long time ago, um, which I wish I would have known about. Uh, then you had the whole, you know, Bruce, Caitlyn Jenner saga. Uh, all this stuff was kind of popping up. Like all, all of a sudden, um, these trans issues were, were mainstream. They were no longer this societal taboo. And it was suddenly this like, oh my gosh, if I come out now, then I'm going to be accepted, uh, which was hellish to deal with as someone uh struggling with an identity crisis where i think at the time i i think at the time i knew i knew that really it it, it wasn't something i think i knew the truth about it at that time uh, and we can talk we can get into the truth about it a little bit later but i think i knew the truth about it i, I think i knew truly I, I am who i am i'm torin i'm the guy you're seeing right now i think i knew that um, but the, the culture and really the, you know, the trans rights activists and everything, I, you know, for someone who was hurting and suffering and, and struggling in life, uh, they got me hooked. Um, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about, uh, we use the word grooming, um, about kids. Uh, no, you, you adults get groomed too. And I was one of those that was groomed, that was told, you know, actually, even if you just have these questions, you're trans, you're really a woman, you need to transition. If you don't transition, you're going to kill yourself. And gosh, I was wrestling with that. Uh, I, I didn't want it because I, I, I thought I knew who I was. I thought I really did. I loved my wife. I wanted a family. Uh, but there was just that, this back and forth and mental, mentally, my, my mental health was just going down the drain. And so my, my wife left in 2017, uh, just because she didn't want to deal with it anymore, with it anymore. And, and to a very large extent, I can't blame her. Um, I struggled with that. I spent about three years trying to fight to get her back, uh, fighting to get her back out of desperation to, to, to prove that you're a man is never a good thing. Uh, fighting to fighting to hold on a, to a relationship to, to sort of prove your identity is, is never a good thing. Um, I, uh, any hope there was of fixing the marriage at the time was gone because I was, I was grasping, I was grasping for healing in a place where it wasn't available. Um, and so 2021, uh, came around and I had dabbled with it before I dabbled it with it in 2020, but had given up, but 2021 came around and I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Maybe they're right. Uh, maybe I'm just going to keep being miserable. And the only answer is transitioning. Uh, Cause it, I mean, you also, you also have to think back to that time there, there, 
there weren't stories of like detransitioners out there. There weren't any, there wasn't anybody uh, kind of coming up with some sort of high, uh, you know, alternative hypothesis. There are a couple like random, like older kind of creepy looking guys that were like, oh yeah, I transitioned and lived as a woman for 20 years and then went back. And it's like, yeah, you just like, you just don't seem all that credible and you kind of seem weird, especially compared to the multitude of voices telling you that, oh yeah, if you, if you even want to be the opposite sex, like no man actually wants to be the opposite sex. Like no man wants to do these things. Like no man ever struggles with these things. You're, you're actually a woman. If you want to do these things, yeah, I fell into it. So for all of 2021, um, well, starting the spring of 2021, I, I was taking uh, cross-sex hormones. Um, even at the time I was getting involved in the LP, before I had kind of made the announcement, I had been on hormones for about six months uh, by the time I had come out publicly. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, the way I put it, the way I put it is like gen gender dysphoria, it's, um, it's a real thing. People actually do struggle with it. it it's not, it's, it's not this fake uh, made up thing. And it's not something that a lot of people have control over. It, it's something that, that comes on uh, through a lot of factors, a lot of reasons. It's never something as simple as just like, oh, you were abused as a kid. Therefore this happened. No, it's, it's not quite that simple. There's many, many things that go into this. But at the end of the day, what I like to liken it to is it's like, it's like if you break your leg, let's say you shatter your leg and, and like you have one of the bones just like snapped and it's sticking out your leg. Obviously you have a broken leg and that's going to hurt like hell. Um, gender dysphoria, you know, the desire to be the opposite gender is the pain you feel. It's not the broken leg. It's an, it's, it's the pain. There's some sort of like underlying cause and it's always different for everyone. I figured out what it was for me eventually, thank God. Um, but it's, it's the pain and think about like transitioning as like the morphine you would get. You go to the hospital, you're just about ready to die of pain. They're going to stick a needle in you, shoot you up with morphine. So you can't feel the pain of that broken leg anymore. And the thing with transitioning is, yeah, it, it actually kind of works. It, it dulls that pain. It, you start kind of feeling good and, uh, you know, you start kind of feeling good and you're like, oh man, all these things they said about transitioning and hormones and all this stuff, it, it feels great. Um, it feels really good. But here's the thing about morphine or any opioids or any painkillers. The, the effects wear off. You need more and more and more and more. And yeah, I, I was, I kind of went, was starting, I saw myself starting to go down that route, you know, for a while it was just like, okay, I'm just going to take it, these hormones, see how it goes. And I was like, oh, I, I need to socially transition. So I come out and then it's like, oh man, I need to actually present socially more. I need to, uh, I need to put myself out there more. I, I need to make sure I'm, I'm dressing uh, in, in women's clothing in public and, and presenting this way. And then eventually it's like, well, okay, like this feels kind of good. So, you know, what's next? Do I need like cosmetic stuff done? Like I, I was just like, I was noticing like every step you take, it kind of feels good, but you need more. It becomes this just like addiction. And you know what I was finding, and this was back in, the, this was kind of back in the spring. 
this is getting into like May, June, July. Uh, I, I was just finding like, yeah, you know, it, it felt good, but going back to the analogy, my leg was still broken and like that pain would keep like that pain would keep like searing through and transition. It didn't fix the broken leg. Transition wasn't a steel plate to put the bones together. It wasn't a cast to reset the bone. It was just the morphine. Um, I was I was doing a lot with Don't Tread on Philly. I was kind of making a name for myself. Uh, I know I had had my name like floated out there for governor for uh, the, the PA, PA governor's race, but wasn't eligible. I started thinking about running for mayor here in Philly. I had like I had everything I wanted. You know, people people loved me as much as the the Mises caucus gets you know, crapped on for being transphobic. Everybody was great to me. I mean, I could tell that there were people that just didn't agree with my choice or were uncomfortable with it. But at the same time, everybody was great. And everybody treated me with dignity, respect. They realized I was on their side. Uh, people listened to me when I spoke. Yet something was still wrong. Like, I'm like, why am I still miserable? Like, this feels good. Everybody, you know, you know, everybody who I thought would hate me, particularly in the caucus, loves me. Uh, you know, my leftist friends all love me and celebrate me here in Philly. Like I'm, you know, poster child for what Philly wants in terms of their diversity. Uh, why am I still miserable? And uh, what I found out was uh, what I kind of realized at one point was, was for some reason, like I just, you know, really what it was is I hated myself. I had this just radical self rejection. Why did I always want to be someone that's completely opposite of who I am? Because for some reason I hated myself. I thought I wasn't enough. I thought I wasn't, uh, I thought, uh, I thought I could never live up to my own standards or the standards other people had to me. And then suddenly I realized, wait, I am still kind of a screw up. I, I, I screw up all the time. Like I make mistakes. I do dumb things yet work still loves me. Uh, people in the caucus still love me. My friends still love me. My ex-wife loved me to death, even knowing my, knowing my struggles, like something, like something's off here. And when that kind of clicked in that, and I realized that I had to stop rejecting myself. It was like someone had finally put a cast on that broken leg and it kind of started healing. And at that point, I was just like, I don't need this anymore. So I sat with that for a little bit. I sat with it for about a week. I sat with those thoughts about a week. And then I had um, uh, then I had been doing some psychedelic assisted therapy. And I did one of those sessions with uh, psilocybin. Um, back in July. And this was about a week after I started making these realizations and I, I did this trip and it was for the first time, like I, I felt connected, um, like by, by disconnecting from my body, I started to feel reconnected. I felt reconnected to myself, mm. reconnected to my past, reconnected to who I had been and had loved. I genuinely started to actually learn how to love myself 10 years ago before all the garbage went down in Southeast Asia. I started reconnecting with that and immediately, like as soon as I started, you know, kind of sobering up, it was like, 
yeah, this has got to, this whole Audrey thing's got to go. Um, I immediately started, you know, changing everything back on social media and, and kind of telling some people, Hey, that, yeah, this has got to go. Um, so yeah. And it's been, uh, you know, it's been like that since, uh, and I, I think that's going on, gosh, about six months now, uh, since I decided to say this is done. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that, that gender dysphoria doesn't come up. It does, but it's it's different. Um, it's very different, and I've I've seen I've seen some of the underbelly of things too since then, and it's completely changed my beliefs. I, you know, initially when I detransitioned, I was just like, actually, maybe it's just not for me. Um, it was just kind of that, just not for me. Live and let live. It's not my thing. But since then, I've just come to know sort of too much. And for me, it's like where as before gender dysphoria, like would be on a scale of like seven or eight out of 10 for me constantly. And it would spike to like a 10. Now it's like eh, on a regular basis, it's pretty much a zero. And then it pops up every once in a while. It's like for a while it was popping up pretty hard and be like a four or five. And now it's kind of like, yeah, it just pops up as like a two or a three and I kind of um, pass it off. But uh, yeah, I've just, I've seen a lot and I'm just like happy. I'm happy and beyond grateful, beyond blessed that I started seeing what I started seeing before I made any, you know, absolutely permanent life altering decisions. Um, mm. and that's not to say I didn't, I don't have loss. <clears throat> I mean, I lost my wife, uh, I haven't talked to her in four years. Um, I, we have no contact and that's, that's devastating to me. Um, you know, I can, I, I'm, I'm a 33 year old male. I, I, I do love being a man. I've, I've learned to love, I've learned to love my masculinity and my femininity, femininity. And the more I'm finding out about myself and being grateful for who I am and thankful for who I am, the more it's like, gosh, I wish, I wish my wife could have seen this. And like, I lost it because I, you know, a, a, yes, yes. I was groomed and I was deceived into believing something that was garbage. Uh, but B, I mean, yeah, I'm adult, an adult. I made my decisions. Uh, it's, it's both. Um, and it's, I, I just want, it's like, what I want to do now is, is, is speak out and say, Hey, um, what is going on with sort of this current cultural moment with gender? It is a major thing and it, it, it does actually have to do with liberty. You know, it's easy to say, well, live and let live, you know, adults can do whatever they want with their bodies. And, you know, if, if kids are suffering and gender dysphoric and trans and we need to try to, we need to help them and they're suffering, you know, for a lot, of, I mean, there's a lot of really well-meaning people out there. A lot of really well-meaning people out there that want to say some of these things and i will grant them their well-meaningness there's a lot of people that aren't there's a lot of people that aren't sincere sincere and the people who are well-meaning are getting bamboozled by the people who aren't sincere and what what's going on is that now you have you have lots and lots of kids exploding explosions we're talking you know 400 per, you know 40 times more it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm hearing stories of like, you know, six 
six kids in one classroom identifying as trans. When, you know, back when I was studying all this stuff, it was, you know, conservative estimates, like, well, no, aggressive estimates were like one in a thousand, one in 2000. I went to a high school with 2000 kids. I knew I was probably the only kid struggling with this. Now, I'm going to say that having learned a lot, I think there are a lot more people that actually do struggle with these questions at some point in time in their life. You know, if it's if it's actually more along the lines of one in 500 and one or 200, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but it's not, you know, six out of 30. It's not 25 percent. And so what happens and this is why it's a liberty issue is because what's what's being done is is it's being taught in schools that being uncomfortable with who you are, being uncomfortable with your body, being uncomfortable with th these things in general is it means you're, you're actually the opposite sex. And the only way that you're not going to commit suicide is if you go on puberty blockers, hormones, get surgeries, all these things. Parents are being scared into it. Kids are being scared into it. And what happens is it is taking the choice away from future adults. It is taking choice away. It is taking the choice away from individual human beings to be able to grow and learn and struggle. Yes, struggle. And they're being kind of, you know, um, chaperoned down this path that a lot of people are starting to regret. And when you take away choice, that means you are dehumanizing someone, you are abusing them. And that is anti-liberty. Anti, like liberty means you have a choice. And if you're telling kids that, and you're telling parents especially that, they don't have a choice that the only answer is the transition that's abuse that's dehumanizing that is anti-liberty and it is it's, not yeah. not uh it's not compatible with the libertarian message yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there, there <laughs> well, I, I think one of the one of the things that comes to mind is that you know, libertarians, we we rightfully uh, throw ourselves against the state and like we make the state the big boogeyman that we focus most of our energy towards and rightly so. But tyranny and authoritarianism doesn't just come from the state. It, there are, you know, anyone can violate your rights and your liberty. And so we as libertarians should oppose. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All authoritarianism and all violations of people's rights and liberties 
no matter where it comes from, whether it's from the state or whether it's from the culture. And I think, you know, and, and this might be something to, you know, kind of get your thoughts on in terms of like what you experienced, um, you know, in Philly and in, and in the media, uh, in your sort of journey, we hear this expression a lot that politics is downstream of culture, which I think is kind of true, but I also think it kind of works both ways. And I think, Beyond just the fact that I think it connects to liberty for the reasons you stated, because I think tyranny can come from anyone, not just the state. The state has definitely got their hands, you know, pretty dirty. I mean, they're I think they're elbow deep in this stuff, both in the the, you know, the left's uh, heavy influence and control of of the media and of the education system, both the. Um, uh, like high school and public education and the, and the post-secondary education system in the universities. You know, I think this is sort of like people, especially young people, and young, you know, it's like, it doesn't just stop when you're 18, right? It's like people's brains are still developing past 18 up until they're 25 or older, I mean, and people are being constantly bombarded with, all of these different things. And so I, I'm just curious to, to hear what sort of threads you can, you can, you know, pull from that in terms of like things you can point to from your experience, both, you know, and, and also you can connect it however you want. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of this that connects to where you live in Philly, which uh, you said, you know, you, you had a lot of local support. And so I'm sure that, you know, definitely had, an impact, and I'm sure there was plenty of well, like you said, people who whose intentions weren't to harm you, but they were probably you know swept up in in this whole thing as well. Uh, so yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, we live in this. Up, uh, before you answer, uh, one thing I was uh, wondering about that I'll just add yeah. on to that. Um, where do you think the pressure was coming from? Like, was it coming from like? specific influencers online or is it like more uh from the government direction like where like where do you think the pressure to transition was coming from originally in your mind since you described it but i'm wondering where it mostly came from yeah so i'll start with that question and then kind of bleed into the other stuff because I, I i think um it wasn't coming from the government at time at the time although the more i learned the more i realized the government has had its hands in this uh, which is just gross. Uh, but for me, it was, yeah, it was influencers. You'd see people online and you see these people who are just, just so happy and so thrilled to, you know, finally be living their truths. And that's kind of what's going on culturally is we're, we're told we have to live our truths. We have to be our most authentic selves. And it's like, oh, your most authentic self is Audrey. So you need to live as Audrey. Um, and we live in this culture, in this society that, uh, denies denies the existence of object, objective truth. It's, it's becoming very becoming very nihilistic. There's no truth. There's no purpose, um, and it's just this cultural flow. And if that's the case, you know why not? Why not just go do uh, what feels good and ignore everything else? But the thing is, and I, I've talked about this in the past uh, on some of my podcasts and things. Like we as individuals you know, true, free, sovereign individuals. 
are also part of a broader community and like a broader truth. Like we are, you know, it, 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 to some extent, yes, the, the libertarian message is we are kind of the ultimate authority, at least on this earth and of our, our lives, depending on your you know religious beliefs. But even as like a sovereign, an individual sovereign, like we still have to interact with other sovereigns. We still have to interact with science, uh, psychology, medicine, like all of this stuff. It's, it's all interconnected. We don't, you know, no man is an island. We don't, we don't live on our own. And what's happening is our culture is, is like taking all of that and kind of twisting it and saying, you know, for the things that just make you feel good, then just live it, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what science says. It doesn't matter that they actually can't make a man into an actual woman uh, through surgery or hormones. Uh, just do it. And if you, if you are that thing, then therefore, if you say you're that thing, then therefore you are. But then it's also opposite where, you know, if it's something that benefits the authoritarians, to kind of harp on say science or communalism um you know it's like the left today they, they aren't full communists because in some ways it's like they 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 celebrate this very individual just oh just do whatever you want be whoever you want go yeah. do whatever yeah. uh but when it benefits them the other side it's like oh the science says that you need to be locked down the science says you need to wear a mask the science says you take a jab it's it's all about this one-sided political socio-political thing that they're gonna they're gonna jump on anything they can and yes the government is has their hands in it i mean you guys have both heard of uh the great and wonderful uh former pa secretary of health uh dr rachel levine correct yep well uh, unfortunately yeah well dr levine is now the assistant secretary of the department of health or whatever and for the or for for, for biden's administration and levine was just the other day put out some video telling all pediatricians that they need to support affirmative care for all kids who want to transition when did you say this happened this was just the other day Dr. Levine was also behind uh, putting, uh, getting state funding. Our tax dollars as PA residents went to CHOP here in Philly, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It was a really bad pun because CHOP was chopping off children's body parts. Was? As far back, is, is, is and know, was as far back as like 2016. Uh, kids as young as I think, I want to say, so I could be wrong. I want to say as young, they were performing double mastectomies as young as like 15, oh my and, 15, you said, and maybe, maybe younger. I don't know. Um, I know it's gone on at younger ages across the country, uh, but it is happening. Like this whole thing where the left is saying, well, nobody's getting sex change operations. The minors, oh, garbage, absolute garbage, you know? The right is not always right. The right is law uh, is wrong on a lot of things, especially culturally and especially how they respond to cultural issues. Sometimes they have the right ideas and the right premise on some things culturally and just and just will absolutely be terrible on how to actually see that play out. 
and and in some ways the trans issue is one of those things that they they have some of the right premises and just are terrible with it. Uh, but they they anytime someone on the right, whether it's you know Matt Walsh or anybody, brings up, oh yeah, they are performing you know these operations on kids, one hundred percent, it is happening. Levine played a hand in in Wolf's administration to get our state tax dollars to fund double mastectomies for girls at age you know fifteen, and and that funding has like quadrupled since then it's it's up in the millions of dollars a year how does that even work does it go to like those financially in need or just anyone uh i i think they'll just do it on anyone it's it's all everybody's just looking to make a buck uh you know there's there's a lot of disgusting things about it so either of you two right now i can tell you this um you can go online i will not tell you the two providers that i know of because I don't want them getting any publicity. But you could, you either of you two right now can go online, fill out a survey, take a 15 minute, do a 15 minute interview. And if you know the right answers, which I could tell you the right answers, these companies will immediately issue you prescriptions for estrogen and have it sent in the mail and you'll get it next week. Ridiculous. Okay. I can't even get my asthma inhaler that easy. Yeah. Yeah, zero, <laughs> zero mental health screening. Yeah, I as long as you know the right answer. And here's what, and here's, and here's what's happening. Here's what's happening to get around some of this. Some will say, "Well, oh, they're suicidal, and these kids are suicidal, and these people are suicidal." No, you go on to some of the trans forums, and you start talking to them. They're like, "Oh, are you suicidal? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't want to die." I'm like, "Oh, just tell them that you're suicidal. If you tell them you're suicidal, you'll get it immediately." Which is actually kind of completely backwards, because if you think you're doing a mental health examination and you say you're suicidal, like actually, let's get to the let's get to the bottom of this. It's that's, that's right. and so yes, the government the government is funding some of this stuff. They, I mean, government schools. So you know, Chop's getting that money. Chop has a whole curriculum that they are sending out to the local public schools. They they along with the Mazzoni Center here in in Philly do trainings for teachers and educators here in the public school system they do trainings over in haverford and in the, in the suburbs like all of this stuff is coming to light and it's happening and it, yeah it started as this it started as this you know sort of oh trans rights and it's a marginalized group and, and to some extent i think there was some well intentions behind it the more you look into the people who are behind the original movement it gets shady really fast, um, including the guy who coined the term gender. It was basically a pedophile. Um, it, it gets yeah. it gets messy really fast. But it, what what happened is it's it's what Emma Goldman talked about uh, in her essay in Michael Malice's book, where she was talking about the tyranny of the majority. You have something that's a movement or even somewhat positive cause. I mean, I think we all should, I think we all as libertarians agree that the people identify as trans or struggle with gender dysphoria should be treated with dignity and respect. They shouldn't be ostracized from society. I'll even go even further than that to say like, I think as much as I have always had, you know, issues with sort of like the gender ideology um, as a social conservative, I've never been in favor of any sort of 
law that would forbid people from exploring those options because i think yeah i think you kind of need to give people that space to sort of like kind of go on the journey that you did because i think yeah, it's like, what are you gonna do? like right. yeah it's like what are you gonna do like like threaten people going through that struggle with force and say no you can't do any of this like mm -hmm. they're not they have to go through that journey i think and like you know i mean when I see people like that and you and others that I've seen go through transition and then come out of it, it's like, it's like, you know, I, I don't want to threaten men, you know, with guns to come at you while you're going through that. It's like, no, I want to love on yeah. you. I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to, you know, see you thriving. And, you know, listen, I think, you know, I mean, if, if my mentality was always like, if someone seems to be thriving, after they transition, like, well, I still might have my personal religious disagreements with that, but like, whatever, like, I don't, I don't want to get in their business. It's not my business. But the, the problem now is, you know, as libertarians, it's like, as much as that's still my mentality, I, I think we have to push back against the government trying to weaponize this issue and i don't know what do you think their motivations are because like i i sometimes struggle to sort of like it, it's so convoluted it's like sometimes i think it's all about money right like it's just people are getting rich off of doing this especially pharmaceutical companies and that kind of maybe seems to be the occam's razor explanation sometimes i'm full tinfoil hat and i'm like this is all part of a depopulation brave new world you know central planning the human being agenda and maybe it's a combination of, of those things and more, but what, what are your uh, thoughts on that? Uh, man, probably a combination of a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of money involved in it. Um, there is a lot of money involved. Uh, the, the trans lobbying side of things is, is wild. Um, I think, you know, I, I, there is something about power and authoritarian control in, involved in it too. And you can dive deeply in tinfoil hat, or you can just stay sort of at the 10,000 foot view. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it transitions kind of like getting addicted to that opioid. Uh, you know, they, people in power in order to maintain power and in order to maintain control profits, all of these things, uh, they want they want a sedative addictive uh a sedentary addictive addicted population and you know for me one of the big things that i was realizing was um transitioning was kind of making me be like a perpetual adolescent it was like i was going back into adolescence and, it, and when i started realizing oh i gotta grow up i, I couldn't i couldn't keep transitioning and a lot, I'm not going to say all, I can't, can't say all, but a lot of these people that I see transitioning and it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're 16, 17 or 35, they just come off as petulant teenagers. And what better for an authoritarian power to have control than to convince people to stay in perpetual adolescence, be petulant and just want free stuff from the government. Yeah. Um, and to be like medically dependent too, yeah. you know what I mean? Especially with our healthcare system. And then it's like people, you know, it's like they, it, 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 not to compare our situations. It's because um, they're, they're very different. Uh, but I struggled with ADHD and I got off medication just for that reason of like, I didn't like being dependent upon medication that was coming from this 
authoritarian system that I just, you know, like I, I wanted to be separate from that completely, which is, you know, it's another aspect of this entire thing, although it's easy to focus on the gender ideology stuff. But, you know, one something we could gloss over, but we shouldn't, is the part of your story where you used psychedelic-based uh, therapy to help get over yep. the major struggle you were having mentally. And that's something, you know what, like, uh, and then when you and I were talking about this, and and then I remember talking to um, my, my one my one pastor uh, friend uh, about it, and just like, you know, what are your thoughts on the fact that, like, I know someone who, you know, yes, they're they're praying and about this and, and whatnot and and seeking help, but they also used psychedelics as a way to <laughs> and you know conservative uh, my mindset took over. They're like, oh, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah, like you brains, said, con- <laughs> yeah, like the conservatives still definitely have things they need to improve on. It's like you know, I, I th- and we can get into that like in the second hour, but um, but yeah, I think uh, as much as we can criticize the government for being heavily involved in the drug aspect of this. It seems also like there's an important part of this in terms of advocating against the war on drugs and against the criminalization of, of things like psychedelics, which, which, you know, I don't think you're the only person who has explored that route and, and found success on not just on this, but on other, you know, yeah. Um, well, now that you mention it, we need to have Torin and Regina on at the same time because yeah. I, I want to <laughs> have that conversation. Uh, there's actually, uh, I'm finding there's quite a number of detransitioners that have had this similar story. Yeah, there's there's a major link there that I hope somebody would explore. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I don't think the libertarian response is outright okay. Let's ban the morphine. Um, you know, I guess if if I was an authoritarian, I would say. Yeah, but I'm not. I also recognize like, gosh, sometimes you got to find a way to treat the pain in order in order to set the leg, in order to set the bone, you've got to treat the pain. Um, and, and for some people, that pain is going to be more extreme than others. It's going to take more of a drastic thing. But but the end goal still has to be treating the leg and the broken leg. It has to be treating what's the cause of the pain. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, if you're only giving the morphine and not setting the broken bone, it's abuse. Well, all right. So there's a couple quick things I wanted to go over before we uh, end the first hour. Um, First one is, uh, do you, let's say uh, there's someone out there, an adult who's struggling with dysphoria. or a child who you know thinks they are or you know someone's a parent of a child who thinks they are like in any of those cases um what advice would you give to the person to for lack of a better way of phrasing it uh sort through their feelings having gone through the experience that you have i would say uh don't give up the fight and don't don't simply believe that your only option is transition there's there are other options um there's other ways to explore uh there's a lot of people coming out with their detransition stories there are people suing doctors and governments and things now um there's there's people that are starting to piece away piece an actual way through this so first of all don't give up hope um know that you're not alone there's a lot more people who struggle with this than you would than you would believe there, there are quite a few, 
Um, you're not alone. I'm one of those people. Uh, you wouldn't know it just by looking at me, but uh, yeah, I struggled. Um, and, and there are, there are a lot of resources becoming available. So, uh, one of the thing, one of the groups that I would really recommend you go check out is something called Genspect. It's, uh, G E N S P E C T Gen as in gender G E N and then spect like almost like spectrum, but just the first part, uh, genspect.org. Uh, they're doing a lot of wonderful work taking like a real evidence-based care approach. So I don't think they're going to tell you advocate necessarily one way or the other, like transition or don't. Um, but they're caring for a lot of detransitioners. They're looking for alternatives and those sorts of things. I would go and check them out. Like there are alternatives. There are other options. There didn't used to be. It used to be only the crazy white haired guys, you know, screaming religion saying I detransitioned. Now there's not. Um, go check out Genspec, you know, follow me. Uh, you, if you follow me, you'll get connected quickly, get connected with uh, other detransitioners that I'm, I'm retweeting and whatnot. Uh, there's a community building and there's there's real hope. Uh, right. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, the last thing uh, before we close that I wanted to give you an opportunity to go into this if you if you'd like, since you shared it with us uh, before we started. Um, do you want to cover the recent uh, Twitter and Instagram posts by the National Party? Uh, let me just say that the Twi uh, National Party um, made some uh, Instagram posts and a Twitter post. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll show that uh, real quick. So here uh, we got here we got the original post. So this is on this is a screenshot of something that was posted on Instagram by the National Libertarian Party account and the Classical Liberal Caucus, which is a group of um, I don't know the best way to put it, more centrist or left leaning libertarians. Uh, yeah. This is the best way to put it. But either way, this was their statement on the uh, National Libertarian Party's uh, image here that they put sharing something from uh, the gays against uh, groomers account. Uh, so they obviously had some disagreements with it. Yeah. Um, they basically deemed it uh, stirring a moral panic over private medical decisions. Um, I, yeah, um, I don't I don't want to say too much. I don't I don't really um, I don't want to stir up garbage with the CLC. You know, I imagine many people involved at CLC and, and quite frankly, the person who made the tweet, I, I don't know who they are. They could be very well intentioned and really care, want to care about uh, quote unquote trans kids. Um, all I can say is pushing back against the message from gays against groomers isn't a way to care for trans kids. It's just not uh, the gays against groomers. You're saying it's a right wing moral panic. Gays against groomers isn't right wing. I mean, they're 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 gay. Uh, the right wing, a lot of them doesn't don't like them. Um, they are a lot of people that have been through a lot of garbage. Who had they grown up in this environment, they may have been pushed to transitioning. Um, a lot of them were gender nonconforming, but just grew up to be gay. Uh, and they're doing a lot of really great work um, to fight back against this ideology. And I applaud. 100% LP National 
taking that message and amplifying it and saying, yeah, parental rights are under attack because you know what? This isn't moral panic. I'm sorry, but abuse isn't. Fighting back against abuse, calling back, calling out abuse is not moral panic. And what's going on, and it's not just with kids. I'll always caveat this. It's, it's abuse when it happens to adults. Adults get groomed. I was groomed. I fell for it. I was deceived. I was abused. Yes, I am a 33-year-old man. I have to own my shit. I made mistakes, and I have to live with it. I have to live with it. But what 15-year-old who went to CHOP and got her breast cut off can say that too? No 15-year-old can make that decision. And I'm getting to personally kind of interact and know with a lot of these people who were those 15-year-old kids. So no, you pushing back against the LP for saying for, for amplifying gays against groomers message? No, that's that's not helping trans kids. That is hurting kids. It's amplifying abuse. And just because you're saying it in a way that it's like, oh, we don't want to have government control. Well, yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. But don't push back against the message that this stuff needs. Well, to and in freedom comes with responsibility. And we don't want the government to be the solution, which means we have to be the solution, which means like we have to come up with, you know, a we have to call out evil we have to call out tyranny when it happens even when it's not coming explicitly from the government and we have to come up with solutions then that don't require the government it's like listen i don't want a police state i do want there to be security and enforcement of property rights but i can't just tell people well you know here's a libertarian answer step one abolish government step two nothing it's like, no there has to be a step two we have to have solutions and one of the, you know, I'm not saying I have the perfect solution to this problem because it's complex and it's very, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts. But the first part of any solution we theorize has to be calling out the abuses that are happening and being able to stand on that on on well, on the truth. Yeah, what you just said, that's exactly like what I've heard. That's possibly the right's biggest. Um what's the right word it's it's the best argument against as libertarianism i've heard from the right not not like this issue specifically but just you know if steph one is you know fight for liberty uh you know step three is free society then we don't really have a step two that that's that might be like i mean i from our standpoint i think we have something i think the Mises certainly like has we, that there's definitely two, things run. that we're working on we're trying to improve upon that yeah. for sure like i we're, think the we're... Mises caucus is about as close as it's ever been uh yeah. to drawing up a plan that we've lacked for years but... step two is run as a libertarian step two is decentralized <laughs> revolution right step that's exactly is... what we're, yeah. we're here for. <laughs> we step have two. step it's, two uh, it's, it's step one's let's get biden and kamala let's get biden plus kamala <laughs> LGBTQ plus shout out to Maj. Yeah, and, yeah, and along those lines, uh, since you brought up Maj earlier, something that I noticed that really made me smile was the Mises Caucus store, the merch store now has these shirts available. Oh, nice. So this is the, they, one of the original campaign shirts. Ones. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think there's that many. I don't think you can get these anymore um, in their original form, but you can get these shirts with the Mises Caucus logo and whatever it is, the right corner. 
Uh, you can buy those on the Mises merch store right now, but this right, is an original campaign shirt from Next week's stream campaign. is just nothing but us showing off all of our libertarian <laughs> Oh, I, I've been showing them off on all the episodes I've been on. Like, I, I have some classic tees from the early days I haven't broke out yet, so... I'll have to break out my I'll Bernie Bro t-shirt one day and wear it as a joke. If it still fits me. I was a little All bit right. thinner back then. Well, but yeah, we're, we're running along. <laughs> yeah, I do want to end it on a bit of a higher note, though. So let me ask you this one thing, one more thing before we do the plugs. So um, you were doing a podcast of your own at one point, and you were talking about uh, running, running for mayor as well at another point. Um, so um, it doesn't seem like you're doing the mayor thing anymore you did run for state rep though um but you know just in general um talk about talk about those projects and then what you have going on in the future like what are you going to be working on next yeah so i i was gonna get i was possibly gonna run for mayor i did i did end up running for state rep just as a paper candidate and people were fed up enough to give me 10 percent of the vote here <laughs> in my very blue district of philly so that was kind of cool um i didn't really campaign but Hey, I got, uh, I got like 26, 2700 votes or something like that. It's just kind of cool. Um, I've never gotten, you know, that many votes for anything in my life. So, um, that was cool. Uh, really basically what, what ended up kind of happening is, you know, I, I sort of woke up from all, all this stuff that was going on with the transition and just realized I need to get healthy. Um, I need to, you know, if I want to, if I want to go make a difference in the world then I need to, I need to take care of my own house, um, first. Uh, like literally my own house. I've got a lot of projects I need to do here at my house and get it, get it finished. So I'm not living in this half renovated house. Uh, but I've decided to kind of take a step back. I'm, I'm not saying don't tread on Philly is, is finished. It's just kind of on a hiatus right now. Um, because I want to, I wanted to try to discern what's next. Um, I want, I want to continue speaking out on these gender issues and, and try to give people hope. Um, I, I want to be a kind of a different voice and it's a, I want to, I want to be able to give people hope and say, Hey, I, I know, I know where things can go wrong. I know where you can lose hope. I know where you can lose yourself. And if it's in gender or anything else, um, but say, Hey, th there is a backside. You can, you can get through this. And so right now my main focus is I, I am doing a, um, I am doing a sub stack. I haven't written in a couple of weeks and to get back onto that. Uh, TP Danowski, uh, tpdanowski.substack.com. Um, I write a substack called no, Sin no consent given. I'm talking about consent, how I don't really believe you can actually consent to gender affirming care, especially without massive psychological evaluation. Um, and also I'd like to explore some other ideas of consent, such as the stuff that went on with COVID and, and, and other things as well. Um, I'll be doing, I want to do some writing for some organizations that have asked me to do some stuff. I'm going to be on uh, Jacob's podcast later. I might be going on the Cajun Libertarian uh, here pretty soon as well. Cool. And then um, I know I'll be on, uh, I might be going on a podcast for one of these uh, you know, gender organizations as well. So really, I just want to try to sp spread some sort of a message of hope. And I guess the thing that I'm, you know, let's, let's say I'm blessed to know a lot about it. I, I'd rather have not found out about as much of this stuff as I did, but I think I'm blessed to have uh, gone as far as I did, but not as far as I could have, and now can come back on the other side and kind of give a message of hope. All right. Thank you very much, Torin. Uh, do you have anything yeah. else to plug? No, no, that's about it. Thanks, guys. And uh, glad to be a part of all this with you.
Right. Well, you still got the return on Philly for Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't been active on it. Um, again, I'm thinking about maybe somehow converting some of that stuff to some of the more personal work I'm doing, but you know, right now the main, the main place to follow me is, uh, I got my Twitter handle there at TPDNWSK. Yeah. Um, And, and, uh, some things that I, I wanted to touch on, uh, to fill in some of the gaps of what you were saying earlier, real quick before we end. Uh, so not, not only, um, did Torin get attention with Don't Tread on Philly through like the the local paper? I believe it was the Inquirer that did it. Was it the Inquirer that did the article about? Um, yeah, they know, got a they got a picture of us in the article. Right, oh, and exactly. I got, I got a, I had a picture of you there. So I got you, a hit got piece. A, I got a hit piece written on me calling me a oh, yeah. Nazi white supremacist. Anti-Semite. When you were still Audrey. <laughs> yep. So that makes it even more funny. But beyond that, yeah, you attracted the attention of the Inquirer on several occasions uh, if we're for... nazis we're the worst nazis in the world <laughs> i mean we're trans well really... now now i'm, I'm a detransitioner so that that's even it's double down it's even worse i don't know that's that's too confusing i, I can't do all that <laughs> in my head <laughs> uh, but yeah so there's that but also like the mummers parade for those of you who don't know that's the philadelphia new year's day parade that is the possibly the biggest new year's day parade in the country it's a big deal in the city there's a big yeah. legacy and tradition behind it so it's no small thing it's no like small town parade it's a it's huge they like work all year for that it's, it's a huge deal to to be to go to there and get the attention of all the mummers because a lot of them are on board or just like anybody who lives in pennsylvania outside of maybe pittsburgh didn't really experience this like philadelphia you were basically a second class citizen if you didn't show your vax card uh you couldn't go eat indoors anywhere you had to like sit outside in like november december cold weather if you wanted to go out to a restaurant it it, it was oh, just man. I got spit yeah. on, told to go kill. It was just again. a caste system in yeah. the United States. There really was nothing short of that. So that that's the kind of dark times we were in back in January when this was going on. But beyond that, um, the work that uh, Torin and others did on uh, "Don't Tread on Philly" um, earned uh, well. I don't I don't know if it was for the individual or the organization. Um, if it was. If it was like specifically given to, I think it was both, but the award for the best issue coalition at the Libertarian National Convention was given to uh, Torin for Don't Tread on Philly. I should have brought that down with me. I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have. I, 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 I know because I, I was, I was right there with you when you got it. So that that was an amazing moment uh, for you. So, uh, congrats, congratulations on that. I couldn't let it go without. Uh, oh, thanks. Without mentioning that. I wish I was, I had lost my phone right before they announced it. And I was like, I was the opposite of sober. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. What yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I had to tell like, you know, five or 10 people like, hey, make sure uh, Audrey's down here. <laughs> we, gotta, <laughs> we gotta make sure she's nearby. I had just lost my phone in, in the casino. <laughs> I got it back. Yeah, but you showed up at the right time. And once I had my eyes on you, I made sure you didn't leave. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. That was, that was a lot of fun. It was, that. Uh, the LPPA convention was a lot of fun. The national convention was a lot of fun. Yeah. Three times. Yeah. I'm pretty sure when, when I like nudged you to the stage was like the hard, hardest I pushed someone in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But um, Jacob, you got anything? No, just, uh, I mean, if you're watching and you want to uh, hop on, the stream should be in the, uh, 
the Facebook or YouTube chat. I put the link for the uh, for the second hour uh, or however long we go. So, uh, but no, that's it. Uh, thanks, Torn, for coming on and sharing that with people. And uh, I think it's an important message, and I'm excited to see where you where you take it and you know the people that you'll be able to help and reach. Yeah, I'm looking thanks, forward Alex. to uh, seeing that in the conversation you have too on the next hour. Uh, so uh, we'll have you back on Torin uh, at some point, maybe to talk with uh, Regina and do a deeper dive into the uh, into yeah. the psychedelic side of things a little bit more. I think that'll be fun. Sounds fun to me. I'm down. All right. So I'm going to remove you for a minute and I'll do, close it out. All right. So um, Jacob, one thing that um, I don't know if we got to mention on this podcast at this point Um there's been some changes happening with you or with your show that you do. So uh, what's been going on with that? Oh, well, uh, my show, the Daniel three podcast is still going on. Um, but I've also recently started a second show called biblical anarchy, which is part of the libertarian Christian Institute. Um, so I'm excited to be doing that project with them. And the only change it really created in my show was that I'm not, you know, my show was kind of alternated back and forth between sort of like my more interview, laid back, casual style episodes uh, with more like expositional, you know, um, Tom Woods style, like focusing on deep dives into particular, you know, theological or political topics. Uh, so those style episodes are now going to be exclusively on the new podcast. And the Daniel 3 podcast is going to be, you know, a bit more laid back in its uh purpose and uh yeah excited to continue continue doing both and uh yeah if you want to watch the daniel three podcast that's gonna be starting here in a few minutes when we're done here and the other one if you are so inclined and you want to go check it out you can go to biblical anarchy podcast uh dot com or libertarian dot com and uh and check it out but yeah, so which, which uh podcast is this interview going to be on Dan the daniel three podcast okay yeah. gotcha all right, everyone, definitely check that out. The link was posted uh, earlier in our chat. Um, any closing words? Uh, no, no, I think it was a good episode. And uh, uh, it's been cool to kind of have the, you know, I don't know the right right expression, but we were able to sort of watch Torin go through that journey. And, um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm really glad that the Mises Caucus was a, was a home for him and uh, that, he felt welcomed, even though, you know, like you said, there's people that probably, including me, who, you know, kind of struggled with, like, don't quite agree with all this. But, but you know, we, we treat people like people here, and we don't have to agree. You know, that, that's the other thing we didn't really talk about, but I'll, I'll my closing thought, as far as it pertains to the caucus stuff, is that, like, our, our mentality has always been, like, listen, like, we don't care what religion you are. We don't care what gender you are. We don't care what your beliefs are, what your lifestyle is. If you hate the state, if you hate the regime, if, you, if you're if you against the wars and the war on drugs and you're anti-Fed and you're pro-decentralization, you know, then you're one of us. And we can work together on these issues that we agree on. And, you know, the Mises Caucus coalition and culture is way more diverse than its worst critics will try to portray so uh it, it it was definitely diverse of enough a culture to allow someone like Torin to uh you know be a very active member and to go through 
the experiences he went through. So I think that says something about, uh, you know, first of all, it says something about Torin just in his, his character and his strength to get through all that. And I think it also says about something about us as a group and what we're made of and what we're about. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll close with something as well. Uh, so just going off of what you said earlier, like, uh, my social views, they aren't as clearly defined as, as yours. I'd say like, there's not like a certain, um, religious or moral orientation that they derive from so much, uh, at, but they've, they've been very much in flux over the past few years, like five to 10 years as my own, uh, mindset has shifted on, on multiple things, including like libertarian issues. Um, I've become more and more like toward the libertarian side of things, like possibly right libertarian, but, um, it, to my core, um, going back in time, I was very much socially on the left. I, if, the, if I described it to someone, I'd kind of put it in almost the same terms that like a Dave Rubin would, where I feel like I've been in the same place since, you know, maybe 2010 or so, but you know, the left left me behind. Yeah, Certainly in terms right. of the social issues, I think that's true. So some yeah. of the things that are going on now are just completely surprising to me. But, you know, back in 2010, like at least socially, I, you know, it's almost as far left as you could go in in that sense. Talking to a former, <laughs> so, I mean, I, talking to I a was starting Bernie to see bro. some things on the horizon, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I never would have predicted things would have gotten to the point that they are now. So um, it was it was kind of a shock to me because. Um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, at least at first seeing like Torin and the experience that he went through because I hadn't, I hadn't wrestled with any of those uh, topics in a long time. But, um, you know, one thing that's never changed is um, trying to, you know, my, my wish to try and be supportive to uh, any friend that I could be in this kind of situation. So um, that's definitely something I was happy to be able to do to the best of my abilities. Um, so it was, it was great having Torin on to talk about that. Um, I guess the last thing I'll say again is, um, don't forget to fill out the call to human action, uh, sign up for takehumanaction.com, uh, to sign up for the caucus if you haven't already. Uh, and on that note, uh, we'll end the episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in and, uh, don't forget to take human action. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm sorry. I wanted to say next week's episode. Next week, we're going to be having on uh, Jake Green, who did the documentary on uh, Shane Hazel's campaign, and uh, Nick Seleski, who's an organizer in Georgia, who uh, was working with uh, Shane as well. So we're going to be talking with them about uh, some of the things that have been going on with Shane's campaign. All right. Now, don't forget to take human action. Uh, until next week. <laughs> Bye now.